Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brooks, Brian Christopherson, here on a sleepy Tuesday afternoon. Gentlemen, how's it going? Sleepy. Yeah, we, yeah. I feel the same as Brunts. Brunts, uh, Brunts just got up from a nap, and I was pretty close to dozing off myself. So I got to break. I got to. I got to get the juice quick here. We we can definitely speed rush through this this podcast so we can get you boys back to sleep. I mean, it's it's what it's only two eighteen in the afternoon. I know it's it's time for knocking off and everything, but Jesus. Oh, I, I I did one of those things where like you you ever do it where you're working at your laptop and you're kind of like doing something and then you nod off and then like ten minutes later you wake up and there's like probably about 40 lines in a word processing document of just like cues or something like that. <laughs> Were you like laying on your back on your couch doing this? Or? No, I, I was sitting straight up in a chair and I just fell asleep. Like oh, wow. not even head down. Just like, I didn't even know you were that old. You're old enough to just fall asleep sitting in a chair with a computer on you. I, I will, I could fall asleep anywhere at any time. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm so old. It's I'm practically dead. <laughs> this is riveting, exciting stuff. There. There, there was, there was actually, ad, up, wake up. there was actually an ad in your, in your, uh, or during a break in your actual radio show the other day. And I started doing the math on how soon I could move into a 55 and older community. And I'm closer than I would have expected. Are you, are you talking about our friends over at carriage Glen? Well, yeah, they don't pay for advertising here, but I'm only 17 years away from that, which <laughs> sitting at a stoplight was um, ultimately depressing and, uh, you know, kind of good information to have. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll allow you to contemplate that in peace at your own time. The next time that you're just sitting in a chair about to doze off, you can think to yourself, well, just so many naps away. And the cat's in the cradle. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> All right, BC, what's going on with you? Um, I don't know. Uh, trying, to, trying to get myself fired up after, uh, after the Purdue experience. Okay, well, that's a nice segue. The Purdue game was an experience. As it often is in Nebraska games, it featured two wildly different halves of football. Uh, one in which Nebraska looked mostly competent and moved the ball with relative ease and went up and down the field, scored a couple touchdowns, kicked a field goal, and a following half in which they really struggled to move the ball, didn't really commit to a running game despite having a lead for a portion of time there. The defense held up really well at the beginning uh, and really only gave up. What did they give up? They would have given up two touchdowns in the second half, so 14 total points, so not, not terrible. Uh, and only gave up 21 points for the game, seven of which came on behalf of Adrian Martinez for a pick six. But Nebraska, again, not able to stay out of its own way, not able to find a win when it was potentially given to them. And uh, they weren't even able to recover the onside kick when it was one of the better onside kicks you'll see in the college football season. So that sort of sums up Nebraska's 28 to 23 losses or anywhere you guys would like to start you want to go big picture about what it means for the program? Do you want to go small picture about what went wrong on Saturday? Do you want to go no picture and we just move on immediately? Well, we need some sort of picture. Um, I guess, 
I guess big picture is probably where everybody is going. Um, it's the type of game where, I, it, you know, if it happened just in and of itself, you would say, well, you know, that, that's one of those Saturdays where things didn't go right. You're minus four in turnovers. Uh, that would be that. But it's just a combination of all these put together that has added up and it's taken its toll on this fan base and they're they're sad and they're tired. I guess what stuck out to me as a dog whines in the background, I have two dogs walking around me now in this house. I just wanted to grunt at some some tea that was boiling and it was <laughs> Yeah, that, that could be a possibility too. It was roadie, not Brunt's tea, but it could have been uh could have been taking ease. <laughs> anyway uh, with like nine minutes left I looked out at the stadium and it was 28 to 17 and it wasn't over over but it was feeling like it was getting close but folks were filing out and uh, I just feel like there it it was sort of this little message within the stadium that it's not like everybody left but a lot of the student section was gone by the time that onside kick by Connor Culp was put together and there was just sort of a feeling like we've seen it. They're not going to get it done. We know they're not going to get it done. And uh, you can't blame for folks for thinking that after the resume that's been added up to this point. And for whatever talking there is about coming close and all this, at some point, uh, 15 and 26 has a louder is a louder than any of it. And that's that's where we're at right now. And uh, it's and now you're in a pickle with three really tough games ahead. Brunch, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that that was a pretty good summation of it. I mean, that was – I feel like the last four years have given us these, like, weird statistical anomaly-type games. And this was another one where Nebraska outrushed Purdue, um, you know, seemingly were in control of that game up until halftime with an opportunity to grow the lead, you know, just, just off of Samori Ture's fingertips. And – you know, it's 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 also kind of been on the on the flip side. You know, they follow the same recipe that teams like Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue's done it of of how to beat Nebraska is to really control the clock and continue to pound away. I mean, I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week that we were expecting Purdue to be more of a passing thread, a vertical passing team, and they were certainly efficient there. But you know, when they ran it, they were able to run. Um, you know, with, with purpose and, and, you know, I, I think that was more of the story of the game was that Purdue, when they were able to run, was able to do it effectively. And Nebraska's defense just really didn't have any answers. I mean, it's kind of the same thing where Nebraska's defense can't get off the field. The offense can't really do anything. And that's how you're, you know, staring down the barrel of a 40 minute um, time of possession for your opponent. So, where they go, I don't know. I mean, it's Ohio State is coming to town at the worst possible time that they could. But this is what we've talked about since, you know, the summer, that Nebraska was going to have to get the job done before November hit because it was going to get really tough. And here we are talking big picture, what's next, what could be next. And, you know, they've only won three games. So it's just a, a bad place to be. And it's another – November when Nebraska is not going to be playing meaningful football. Well, obviously we can drive ourselves mad asking these kinds of questions, but as you guys try to assess this team and this season, 
Is there any easy explanation for why a team that had leads against Michigan State and or against Michigan State, Michigan in the fourth quarter would be trailing by double digits against all of Minnesota, Illinois, and Purdue? It just for a team that's allegedly close, it just it's hard to really put that together. Like I, I just the the simple thing to me is that they're sort of an elevator team. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this weekend they play really hard and play really well against Ohio State. Probably don't come up with the win, but they'll hang around more than most people think because of the way that they lost to Illinois, Minnesota, or Purdue. It just feels like they they just really play to the level of their competition, save for the Northwestern game, for most of it. Is that too simplistic? Did uh, Brian, Brian muted himself? Brian oh. must have muted himself. Oh, I was beginning to talk and I. It was good. That was really good. Man, man. I was reading your lips and it sounded like you were saying something astute. So please start over. I yeah, wasn't was... expecting you to drop the, the MF or in the middle of your explanation, <laughs> though. So. All right. <laughs> All right. I said gee whiz. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say. To me, I was going to give a simple answer because I'm a simple man. And I, I mean, the O-line and the QB player inconsistent. I mean, there you go. The, to me, those are like the two biggest factors um, on a football team, especially in this conference. And, you know, I thought we've seen Nebraska's O-line since a really rough start to the season have moments where they've sort of figured some things out and they've had series where they've looked really good. And honestly, like I thought the first half of the Purdue game, the whole line was fine. You know, they were giving Adrian some time to throw it. I, th it was a play so long ago, but I think the first series, Adrian had like five or six seconds. It felt like to throw and he hit Xavier Betts who was so wide open. He didn't know what to do, you know, and it was for a 30 yard gain, but then you get to the second half and uh, it was just a mess again. And so there was at halftime, I'm thinking to myself, this team is going to be able to lean on Purdue. They had the series where Yant ripped off a 33 yarder, a 17 yarder. Um, go with that, and you can get to the finish line and get a W here. And they never really got that established at all in the second half. I don't know if Yant had another yard to his name after having 60 yards in the first half, I think. And then Adrian. Uh, I love the guy's character. I love that he shows up every Saturday and Monday to talk to us, and it's got to be just driving him nuts. Um, he'd only had three picks going in, but he's just had bad moments and clutch times of games previous. And then Saturday, I thought, if we're just going to call it like it is, was one of the worst games of his Husker career. It just was. He just – he was off. It, the turnovers were all costly. There could have been another pick six right away that wasn't. The pass to Ture, I thought Ture could have caught it, but as Lubick talked about Tuesday, that's also a ball where you want your QB to just make sure your guy gets it. You know, it doesn't have to be one of these right on stride touchdown passes. Just make sure he secures it. He he tried to be too fine with it. It ends up being an incompletion and a play where if Nebraska makes it, they probably win the game, but probably, probably, probably. That's kind of how it's been. There could be a good title for this podcast here this week, Brunt. Probably, probably, probably. That's just how it's been. I'll uh, I'll put that in the old uh, hopper and see what comes out. All right. Okay. He, he didn't seem as impressed. <laughs> that, that's, it. that's better than anything I was going to come up with. So. I'm not even entirely sure Brunt is awake right now. <laughs> no, he... <laughs>
we're going to give him the opportunity to talk here, but it might be like talking in his sleep. <laughs> this is just, this is just the video that's on the loop. Like I, I'm not actually here. I mean, I, I think what you said is true. Um, you know, I think Nebraska has the ability to, they're, they're good enough to play with anybody. They're bad enough and, and inconsistent enough to lose to anybody. I mean, that's, where they are right now. I mean, that think about like how we were talking about things going into that Buffalo game. I mean, it, that, that kind of potential for poor play exists and you know, that that's just where they are right now and where they've been for a while. I mean, I, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's necessarily a physical thing. I don't think, I, I know Scott Frost kind of in an aside mentioned talent after Saturday's game. It's no not more. talent. It's not talent. They've got more than enough talent to beat the teams that, that they've lost to this year. Um, they've played well enough in stretches to beat Michigan State, to beat Michigan. And, you know, that's when it basically – Sean Becton said it today pretty well, I think. And he was speaking about the offense, but he said in every game that he could think of four to five plays that – you have somebody that's not completely dialed in or somebody's not completely doing their job and it costs them an opportunity for either points or you get, you know, something bad going the other way, a turnover or missed opportunity or something like that. And that's, that's where Nebraska is right now. Their, their, their margin of error is so thin. It has been all year, but they just don't have the mental fortitude. I don't think to, make those kinds of plays. And I think that in some ways too, I've thought this all year that when you have, when you use the kind of language about, you know, basically needing a break or something like that, it's passive language. Like you're, you're not going out and, and making the play. You're hoping that something happens for you or to you. And I, I just think that that's where the program's at right now. They're, they're just not, they're not able to go out and, and get one of those programming cha program changing wins that they had the opportunity to get to get earlier in the season. And uh, you know, they're still in a place where they can lose to teams like Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota teams that Nebraska has struggled with the last four years that they should not struggle with because of talent and, uh, and everything else. All right. We're going to have plenty of time in the coming days and weeks to kind of dive into, into the deeper stuff. Um, as it relates to the future of this program and the future of its head coach, Scott Frost. And so I know people really enjoy those conversations, but we will hold off on that uh, for the time being, I guess we'll just, we'll finish with this before we, we head to a break and then switch over to basketball. But is there anything you want to see differently over the next three games? Uh, you know, there's four weeks, three games, you got one here, you get a break. Uh, not the kind of break that Nebraska needs, but you get a break and then two more games after that. BC, is there, is there any, is there, is there some change? Is there something you want to see out of these final three weeks? Is there, you know, is there anything that you can, you can actually physically point at and be like, that is different. And I want to see that. Or are we sort of at the point where Nebraska is what they are? I'm sure that was terrible English. Hopefully no teachers are listening to that, but um you, you kind of know what I'm saying. Like, this is their team. This is who they are. So I, I, I'll leave it to you, and, and we'll get Brunson's answer, and we'll get out. All right. Um, I think this is the place where some people would say they want to see all the 
the future. You know, like there's this talk of like, I want to see Smothers. I want to see this guy. I want to see that guy. My problem with that, I guess, is, and I'll just take on that subject sort of with the question, is you got to give your team still the best shot to win these games. These are still important Saturdays and Black Friday for this football program. It's really important for this coaching staff, which has everything riding on the outcomes of these next few games. And so whatever we don't see, coaches see a gap at quarterback. They do. They do. They see a gap between Martinez and the rest of the guys. And maybe I'm a sucker for stuff like this. I'll, I'll, that's very possible. I've always sort of had a trust, not just in this coaching staff, but any coaching staff that they have so much on the line. They're going to play the guys that routinely look the best in practice and do stuff that, you know, is going to do them well. Um, so I guess what I want to see different is the guys they have, uh, do those two or three extra things that extra plays that are missing that, you know, Bruns was kind of getting at that Sean Becton was getting at that are keeping this team from getting over the hump. There's no reason this team, if they are interested after the buy can't go to Madison and give Wisconsin hell. There's no reason they can't give that team a fight and maybe pull something off. Wisconsin's not good on offense. Nebraska's got enough on defense. That can be a game. There's no reason they can't still go and beat in Iowa. I mean, which is also an offense that is stuck in quicksand. It's not like these games because of the names on those two teams chests are like unwinnable or something like that. So somehow, some way, this team's got to find like, hey, we're way better than this record. Let's at least before this thing hits the finish line, show it to people that we can win one of these games, win two of these games and shock people and change at least how people are talking in December about where this thing is going in 2022. I don't think it's going to happen by some magical roster change or anything like that at this point. I don't know what the scheme stuff, if you got to stick with something more than you have, if you got to, you know, you know, I, there's times when they're running it where I feel like they get away from it a little bit when it feels like, why not keep beating down that door? So I'd like them to be consistent with something that's working sometimes. Um, but mostly it's got to be those players now playing for each other and those super seniors realizing this is my last go round. I only get one more chance to sort of make a difference for this program for the future. I got to make it now. And, and hopefully that means something. Brooks. Yeah, I, I'm curious defensively over these last three games if the defense can find an extra gear. I, I mean, they, they've been good, not great all year. They've been steady. They've kept this offense in pretty much every game. Um, but, you know, the, these are the types of games coming up where the defense is going to need to create either points or momentum or something. And – it seems like, you know, they've hit a bit of a ceiling where, you know, they can be steady, they can be solid against the run, but you haven't seen the turnover sacks type plays that you need to maybe go out and win one of these last three, uh, speaking specifically of the last two. So that's what I want to see is if, you know, these super seniors playing in their last few games can go out and really, you know, play with their hair on fire and, and make – the kinds of plays that are going to win you a football game. And I think they've been close. I think it's probably in there for some guys. I think they need to be helped a little bit by scheme too, um, with a little bit more aggressive scheme the last couple of games. But uh, I, I'm eager to see if they have that in them to, to kind of make that next step. 
All right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to dive into some basketball. Two exhibition games for Nebraska, one of which I think they desperately would have liked to count in the standings of the 2021-2022 season, but it will not. But we'll still talk about it like it did anyways. So we'll get some thoughts on basketball, see what else is cooking in the brains of ours next when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're talking basketball. Both of you guys, I myself too, we were all at the, the Nebraska-Colorado game. Brunson and I were both at Nebraska-Peru State. You've seen them play twice now. You got your, your first looks at guys like Wilhelm Breedenbach and Bryce McGowan's, Kese Tomanaga. Keon Edwards, Alonzo Verge. Where do we want to go with this? Do you want to do you want to dive right into how the team looked overall? Do you want to talk about specific players? Do you want to make bold proclamations based entirely off of two exhibition games in the month of October? What do you want to do, Brunts? Let's 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 talk newcomers, and then let's at the end, perhaps revisit any season win total conversations that we had. Cause we, we got into that a little bit last week. Sure did. And uh, I'm curious to know if Mike Schaefer, you're ready to start booking NCAA tournament tickets. If you, if you want that 11 PM game in Spokane. Did Schaefer <laughs> say 25 wins? What last week while I was gone? He did. I was surprised, yeah. but he went hard in the paint on it. Hmm. This is false. Harder, harder in the paint than Peru State going to the offensive glass. <laughs> All right. So let's let's tackle some of these players because and I, I'm just gonna throw them out at random. Uh, and we can we can kind of dive into our general thoughts on them as we want. I'm gonna start with a guy that that I'll go ahead and just kind of start off the, the conversation and you guys can jump in after that. I've been really impressed by CJ Wilcher. I think that CJ Wilcher is gonna be an important piece. Nebraska going forward he looks kind of like he's their sixth man maybe right now or, or the first guy off the bench he obviously started the game against Peru State for reasons that weren't ever specified but it looks like he is is going to be coming off the bench 
I like two things. One, he seems like he shoots it pretty well. Obviously, that's great. Hard to find in these parts. You like that. This is the other thing that I kind of like. He's sort of demonstrative. He's got a little bit of a uh, personality to him. He's probably going to lead the team in technicals. Weirdly, I like that. I like having a guy like that on your team. He gets people fired up. I think he plays really hard. Uh, you can see, you know, when you're out there watching him play, like you can, you can see kind of that attitude in him. I think that's important. You need guys like on that, on the court that uh, can pull everybody else together that, that can kind of come with that aggression and that anger, but he needs to keep it controlled obviously too. I like what I've seen from CJ Wilcher. I think that he really is, is going to be a, an asset for them with his shooting ability. And I, I, unfortunately I was in a bet made on Sunday in which we were each told to pick one player from Nebraska's roster who we think would make the most three pointers. I had the second pick. I wanted Wilcher. I think Wilcher is going to lead the team in three pointers. I ended up with Tominaga. What do you guys think? This is over the season. Over the course of the season. Doesn't have to be a percentage based thing either. It's most made three pointers. Oh, just just volume. Uh, yeah, I think Wilcher is going to be up there. Tominaga's not a bad spot to be in. I, th- I think he, you might see uh, somebody else sneak in there. It's, I don't know that he's going to shoot enough to get there in, ter- in terms of pure numbers, but I think Keon Edwards is going to make a lot of them. You see that. You definitely but, see that. I mean, he's he's knocked down several. I, I don't know that he's maybe missed one shot of, of what he's taken so far. So, the, did Wilcher? This is a, I guess this is a, an answer to the Wilcher question who I, I thought made a lot of really small plays um, in those two exhibition games that I think are going to be really important for this team. I like him off the bench a little bit more than the starting lineup. Uh, I think that the, the game against Prue state was more of just kind of a, maybe a reminder to, to Alonzo verge to, be, to keep doing the, the right things in practice and, and stuff like that. So, um, but I'm curious, did you guys feel like you got any more closer to kind of knowing what a rotation is going to look like from those two games or what it should be? Or is there somebody that deserves more playing time that that uh, you saw in those two games that maybe going in you didn't think would get that much playing time? Uh, Edwards is going to play more than I think I would have guessed if, you know, three weeks ago. The talk on him of how he played in their scrimmage and then how he came out in those two exhibition games has been pretty good. I think he bumped it from an eight-man rotation to a nine-man rotation. And then I kind of feel like it it drops pretty hard after that with Eduardo Andre as maybe the next piece by being the third big man. And then, I I mean, I think Kobe Webster is going to find minutes hard to come by the further you get into the season unless there's injuries. So. Uh, for me, it, it's, you know, the starting five and then Tominaga, Wilcher, uh, Edwards, and uh, Breedenbach. And then after that, like, kind of a hard stop. So um, maybe I'm crazy, but it, it feels like there's a pretty definitive nine that are above the rest. No, I think you named off the eight or nine. Um, and so to me, that's some more clarity. I, I think you could have maybe made a, a guess that those were some – that was going to be most of the list, but I, I feel like the two exhibition games sort of cleared it up in front of our eyes and Tomonaga. I know everybody here is uh, pretty enchanted by just watching a guy like that who can pull up from like 35 feet and it might go in and it's exciting. 
but he's feisty on defense. I mean, he was really uh, active on that end of the court and they knew he was a great shooter, but you can tell from Hoiberg's comments in the last week that he's a guy that has surprised them a little bit with like overall what he could bring to the table and uh, is good is probably played himself into more minutes than maybe they were suspecting originally. Yeah. I, the, the thing, the guy I wondered about that I was kind of expecting to be outside the rotation is Ed Andre. I mean, I, I kind of looking at where the minutes were going to go. And I mean, I, I think you, you thought maybe, okay, he gets in it for a couple minutes, but he was really efficient um, in, in the time that he was in. And he, he still has a, that good feel for the game. I think he's got a, gotten a little bit more finesse around the basket than maybe what he had last year. I don't know. You know, we'll see what, what he can do as a rebounder and a defender when he's facing, you know, big 10 type bigs. But I mean, if he's, if Braden not shooting it well, um, if, if you get a little bit of foul trouble with Derek Walker, I think he's a guy that could get eight to 10 minutes a game and give you some solid minutes. And, you know, I, I just, the, the, the thing that's just going to kill this team is the rebounding. I mean, if they can't rebound, I mean, you guys know how the energy changes in a building when a, an opposing team is getting two or three offensive rebounds on a possession or, getting second, second chance points. I mean, it just kills you and they're going to have to find guys that can rebound their position. And I mean, maybe that's a chance for, you know, a Keon Edwards is kind of a bouncier athletic player uh, to, to get in there even a little bit more uh, than just being kind of a three point specialist. Yeah, that's the, the rebounding is, is definitely going to be, is definitely going to be big. I mean, it's, it's going to, um, it's going to be a, a shadow over sort of that, the conference play. The one thing about this team and it's, it's two exhibition games and I'm trying not to overthink this, but they're going to shoot at a higher clip than previous Nebraska teams. Like they have a much larger margin of air in which yes, they might rebound somewhat poorly, but they're going to just outscore some teams in order to win games too. And that is a really a intoxicating and B sort of makes me nervous way that I haven't seen Nebraska play a lot. Like, I don't know when the last time I watched a Nebraska team where it's like today's strategy is we just have to score more than the other team. And we're not going to do it by sitting on the ball for 23 seconds at a time. So it's, there's some element of fun there. I mean, we, we haven't even gotten into some of these guys, like the, the bench group of Edwards, Tominaga, Wilcher playing with Verge and Breedenbach. You have all five guys can shoot and shoot adequately from behind the line at three, Like they can run pretty well. It's yeah. They're going to give up some rebounds, but defending that isn't easy. And Tominaga is a freaking threat from the previous free throw line. It seems like that guy is, uh, he's got some serious range. He has an incredibly fast release Watching him jump is really kind of funny because it's, he seems so springy for his size. And you know what else he does? He actually plays pretty hard defense. Like this is a guy that doesn't get cheated on either end of the court. And I just, I, I feel better about this team in some ways. I mean, they're, they're going to have their weaknesses. They're not a perfect team. Uh, but 
I, I think they increase their margin for air by just simply being better shooters than what we're used to seeing with Nebraska basketball. That was the best. The first half, I guess you'd say the first 16 minutes on Sunday against Colorado. That was the best I've seen Nebraska for that long of a stretch of time on offense since I've been watching a Hoiberg team. I mean, maybe there's some game I'm, I'm missing along the way, but just as far as like, there was no luck to it. It was um, beautiful ball movement. He, Hoiberg has said simple play, simple play, like all ever since he's been talking to the media this off season. Um, and you saw it from Alonzo. Alonzo had a sharp game, uh, got to the rack for layups when he needed it. I think he only had two turnovers or something like that for the game uh, was feeding wide open shots to other guys, but it wasn't just him. They would make the extra pass. And I mean, you expected guys to make it uh, because they actually do have, as you say, like four or five guys who can, you really believe in when they're lining up to shoot it. So um, it is a difference. And we haven't even seen like, you know, lat man sort of been injured and some of that. We'll see if that sort of lingers, but um, Alonzo, I think is the guy who, People had heard about, they're sort of like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if they watch the game on Sunday, I think they're like, okay, that's, that could be fun. You know, like that, that made people stand up a little bit. And then I think it was good for Bryce who struggled offensively. It felt like for much of Sunday, but at the very end, it clicked a little bit. He had, he hit a couple shots and that sends him into the, the real season, you know, with a little bit of momentum, he ended up with a team high 15, so you knew he'd struggle a little bit at first. I hope people weren't expecting him to be like a guy who's going to average, you know, 19 points and 11 rebounds a game. He's not going to be that this year, but he can be, um, he can be a solid college player this year. And he, I, I think the end of Sunday's game could be a, of use to him. All right. Um, do we want to, do we want to talk about record predictions now? Is that what we want to do? Where, where did we come down last time? It was like in the 16 to 18 range, yeah. right? I This is sort of my stock answer whenever people ask this, but for me, progress for Nebraska basketball this year is if they don't play in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. So if they're not playing on Wednesday night and they're playing on, the, they're playing on Thursday, that means they're probably a uh, – they're, they're higher than an 11 seed which means they probably won seven to eight games, if not a few more. And you add that with how they should do a non-conference play. It feels like they should be a 16-17 win team. I don't want to move too much from that, but I think their upside is a little bit better than what I sort of expected prior to watching them play. However, it still being a Nebraska men's sport, I have to project more downside than I can possibly project upside. That's just how these things work now. I'm going to stay with 16, 17 wins. I, if we're using other metrics of progress, a metric of progress for me will be, am I paying attention to random basketball games in the middle of February to see how other teams are doing? Bubble? Am I, am I checking to see if St. Bonaventure and Iona have tipped yet? Am I <laughs> staying up late to see if St. Mary's can hang on against pacific don't you do that anyways well yeah but i'll actually have to care on a tuesday night like those types of things like if if nebraska is at least in that bubble conversation i i will consider that significant progress i think this is a team that can get into the nit and probably uh create some issues 
once they get there. But I think you know everybody's you know obviously high off that Colorado game. It was 35 in Ken Palm's preseason rankings, by the way. Um, I, I do think it's it's that would be measurable progress to me. I agree that if you miss the first day at the Big Ten basketball tournament, and uh, if you're getting me to care about random basketball games in February, I uh, I will consider that progress. BC, you got a you got a line about progress here. Uh, I'll just I'll throw out a number. I'll say they're going to go. I was double checking to make sure I had their number of non-conference games right. So eleven non-cons, twenty conference games. I'll say they go eight and three in non-con. And do they beat Creighton? More importantly, in your opinion, yes. I think they'll start seven and zero until they play uh, Auburn or whatever. That's big. Um, I'm not going to count Creighton. So I'm going to wow. say, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so a young Creighton team comes into to Pinnacle Bank Arena and loses the win. I'm, Look at the Omaha guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What a Jasker <laughs> over here. I, I mean, I'm just trying to be down the middle. Uh, you know, there'll be some ups and downs. Uh, eight and three non-con, and then let's see. Uh, eight and twelve, sixteen and fifteen um, overall. They'll win a 17-16 in an NIT bid because the Big Ten will be viewed as good and uh, it'll be good enough for an NIT. I know their goals are higher than that, and they should be, and maybe they'll – you never know. They, they got me excited Sunday. The, the 23 offensive boards they gave up, not, not ideal. But, uh, I mean, that was a – they were up by, goodness, 27 points or something at one point in that game. I mean, that's – that's not a terrible team. They were just running out of the gym. Has the coach ever argued that offensive rebounding is, is actually a product of good defense because you're forcing a team to miss a lot? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, I mean, maybe. Are, are you making? Are you making that argument? No, I, I'm not. But if I was a coach, I think I'd go that route. <laughs> <laughs> just browbeat. You know, like you're just like someone. You're happy with your win, and someone's like flipping you crap about offensive rebounds. I just be like, "Well, we played really good defense tonight, and that's why they had to shoot so many times." And then you just kind of like walk away from that, and you just make the other person think about it a little bit, and then they just be like, "Wait a second. <laughs> but you're already out the door and down the hallway, and yeah, it's too late. Exactly. It's it's a closing line, really. It's like the press conference version of like throwing like a smoke thing at the ground, and then like you disappear real quick, and they can't see you. I think it's great. Yeah. I have more of these. I'll write some up for friends. <laughs> that's hoops. Yeah, that's, that's hoops. That's the podcast. Anything you guys want to add before Brunts goes back to sleep? <laughs> I got to rest up for the hype cast later this week. <laughs> Not on Tuesday, but later this week at 5 a.m. Friday. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm glad BT wasn't around because me getting out of that hype cast last week was a disaster. <laughs> I got out of that fake press conference a lot easier than I got out of the real podcast. You you could have used a little smoke to get out of that podcast. Yeah, it it felt like a very, uh, what, Job moment from uh, Arrested Development, you know? Illusion, Michael. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we are done for today. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. We have plenty of coverage on stuff. Nebraska did have several visitors in for the weekend. I think they've made somewhere in the neighborhood of six or seven offers. I was going to run through that. 
Uh, I've been catching up with some of the guys that they have been offering as well. And so there'll be some recruiting for Nebraska football up on the website. Basketball starts not this week, but a week from now. And, of course, the Ohio State game is coming up. The hype cast, we have a guest lined up, ready to roll. We'll chat with that person at 4 in the morning on Friday, as we do every single week, because we are committed to our jobs, and we do them right. That's Husker 24-7. We'll catch you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.